Today is not just Father's Day, but today in June marks about exactly a year that the men in our Tuesday night men's group started going through the Gospel of John. And, and we are still going through the Gospel of John. Um, but we are about where I'm going to be talking today. Um, we're about in John 16. And so it's just been an awesome pleasure going through this with them and through the Gospel. But one of the reasons why we're going through that is because if you take a look, John, as opposed to maybe some of the other books of the Bible, John actually tells us why is he writing this book? What is the purpose of his writing? And if you look in John 20, verse 30, he actually says, this is why I'm writing this book. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are that are written in this book, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So just in hearing that, to calling people to believe in Jesus, is a reason why the Gospel of John tends to be one of the most popular books the people recommend for people who are looking and searching and want to know more about Jesus or people who are new believers. I mean, how many of you had either had the Gospel of John recommended to you before you were a Christian or as a new Christian or you recommend that to others? Do any of you have had that? Okay. So it's just I'm a really good book for that. But in addition to just those who are new in their faith, what is interesting is what John tells us that he's not just writing for those to believe and come to that initial faith in Jesus, but he is writing this gospel also for the purpose of those who have already been believing that they keep on believing. So you can see that here. He says it's written for those who may believe, but then he says, and that by believing, by and that's actually this constant, by continuing to believe, you may have life in his name. John does something really interesting. He, as opposed to all the other Gospels and other books of the Bible, he the word for believe, which is usually a noun, which is also the same word for faith, which if you guys want to know a little Greek, pistis is the word that gets translated there for Greek, which means believe or faith. It's usually a noun, like those things that we believe, the thing we put the faith in. But what John does is he does not use the noun in his Gospel. He, over 100 times, way more than any other book of the Bible, he uses the verb form of believe. So he's trying to get across the idea that we have to just keep believing. It's a verb. It's action. Belief is something we keep undoing. It's not just something we do once. And so he uses this over and over and over again. Another thing that's interesting about the Gospel of John is the Gospel is probably one of the last books of the New Testament written. So it's maybe written, they think, like around 90 A.D. Paul would have already written all of his letters. The other three Gospels would have already been um, written and circulating. So what's interesting is John is actually dealing with a church that's actually been a Christian church for longer than any other writers of the New Testament, which also means he's also the closest to us today in time. He's really, really, really writing to a church that is getting mature, and he's concerned about 
that those who are believing, he's concerned that they keep on believing. And I think if you were to judge the health of the church these days, and I try to keep up on it by you know, reading different articles, what people are saying about the church at large, I think if you're trying to judge the state of the church today, and you're to do that by all the news articles out there, it wouldn't be very encouraging. Um, in fact, there's been poll after poll after poll about how there has been this decline in membership within the church, decline in people attending um, on Sundays, for example. Thankfully, that's not any of you, <laughs> okay? Um, but that decline, you would think, had something to do with COVID, which it did some, but that decline had already been happening over time. So you have this idea that there's a lot of people who are choosing just not to really come to church anymore. Then in addition to that, um, there's been, just recently, there's been releases of a lot of different types of movies, um, really like documentaries trying to talk about the different church scandals that have happened, either in the past or in the present. So you look all that, it can get sort of disturbing, like what what is going on with the church? But we have some caution, and we have some caution by someone named Joshua Porter, and I want to thank Andrew, who um, actually recommended this book from Joshua to me. And I love Joshua's quote here. Joshua Porter says, with a wide enough view, it always seems, it always seems as if the world has gone nuts and people are abandoning Jesus in droves. And then he gives us a good reminder. This has been going on since Jesus himself walked around ancient Palestine gathering disciples. So as Ecclesiastes says, this is really nothing new under the sun that is going on. But I will tell you personally probably what bothers me and concerns me the most as a pastor, um, and just really as a Christian, is just how much I hear about people who are abandoning their Christian faith. Not even just not coming to church as much, but actually abandoning the faith and their faith in Jesus that they had put that faith in however years ago. And I know in talking to some of you, some of you have families, some of you have friends who are just really struggling with their faith, and some of them, some of you are concerned. There may be, are they walking away from their faith? There may be some of you right here sitting this morning, maybe even quietly, maybe no one really knows how much you might be struggling with your faith. And I want to tell you the reason why we're going to go through something in John today is explicitly, explicitly to talk about that, to talk about what does John tell us. He tells us a lot, but we're going to focus on one aspect. What does John tell us about how we as Christians can keep unbelieving, keeping our faith growing strong? John wrote this about 2,000 years ago. And it's still very, very applicable to us as Christians today. So we're going to look at that, and that's what we're going to really look, go, I'm going to go through as we walk through the sermon here. And I want to begin at the end, again, of John's Gospel. Because something happens towards the end of John's Gospel that starts giving a hint as to what this whole idea about how do we keep on believing. And this occurs in John 19, 35, this occurs when Jesus is actually on the cross being crucified. And I think most of us think, who've read the Bible and know it well, most of us think what happened and who was there when Jesus was being crucified, 
that all of the disciples, the men, said, see ya, <laughs> and they left. It was only really the women who were there, Mary, um, actually a number of different Marys, Mary, the mother of Jesus. But what's interesting that John, the Gospel of John reveals is that John at, was also there at the time. And this is what he says. He says, and he's explicitly is calling attention to himself, so the he here is he meaning John, who wrote this gospel. He says, he who saw it has been, he who saw it, in other words, the crucifixion, has borne witness. This testimony is true. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. I want you to notice something here. He's actually tying this idea of bearing witness, telling the truth, and are believing in Jesus. And he's putting all three of these together. He also does this at the very end of his gospel. So in John 21, 24, he states something very similar. This is like his final words. Actually, he says one sentence after this. So John ends his gospel and he says... This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we may know that his testimony is true. So again, John's really emphasizing that he bore witness to this and that what he's saying is true. Now, for those who have heard or ever been told that the Christian faith is a blind faith, I hope that what John's saying here will put that to rest. Because the Christian faith is not based on blind faith. In fact, what John is telling us here is the Christian faith is based on things that really, really happened. That are really true. Things that people can testify about. People who were eyewitnesses, including John himself, who actually saw all these things, heard Jesus, recorded what Jesus said, saw his miracles, saw his resurrection, along with at least 500 other people who saw him after he rose from the dead. So John's saying your belief is based solidly on something that has happened to a specific person, Jesus Christ, in history that is unique. And so he wants to get across this idea that those things that happened, that really did happen, that we bore witness to, those things have something, again, to do with our faith, that have something to do with our ability to keep on believing. I want to give you an illustration of this whole idea of bearing witness. I don't know if you've heard that term much before, but it's a specific legal term and I'm, I, my wife and I, Michelle, we hear this somewhat often because we love watching true crime drama. We love watching 48 Hours Dateline. In fact, every Friday, Saturday, we wait for the newest one to come out. Have you, any of you watch those? We, we love watching those because what we love about it is obviously it's true. And pretty much always when you take a look at those true crime dramas, what happens? It's some, usually someone has been murdered. All right, and the whole point is trying to find out who done it. And so it starts out by describing what had happened, and then what does it do? You end up finding out that the police are now going to go through and start looking at all these different people, all these potential suspects, and they're going to keep trying to whittle away those suspects until ultimately they get down to someone who they say, this is the person we think did it. 
And then they'll arrest that person, and then there will be the court trial. But I want you to think what happens during that court trial. Because, of course, there can be a lot of circumstantial evidence to try to convict a person. But what really is going to nail that person to the cop, and the real thing that's going to say, yes, this is the person the dead did it, is if there is human eyewitnesses to what has happened. That there are people who can actually say, I witnessed this person killing someone. When you have that type of a witness, pretty much you can be guaranteed you're going to get a conviction. But I want you to think about what a witness does. A witness is someone who just saw the events happening. So when you think of someone as a witness to something, you all are witnesses to here. We're here today in church. I'm witness to who is in church today. Just being a witness and seeing something happen is not enough. You can't just be a witness. You also have to bear witness. Bearing witness means that you are going to not just say, or not say anything, just say, yeah, I saw it. The word bearing witness means I am going to testify. I am going to tell others about what I saw. And usually the person that bears witness is going to do that, hopefully if they're a credible witness, when they get on a stand, for example, in court, they're going to do that in a way that persuades the jury, that it persuades people to say, yeah, this person really saw it, they really witnessed it, and they really believe what they saw was true. Does that make sense? All right, so that is the whole function of bearing witness. It's not just that you saw something, but you also have to bear witness that it is true. This is very much and very similar to what John is doing in his gospel. He is saying he witnessed, when you read the gospel of John, most of what you're reading are things that John himself bore witness to. It was a witness to, but he wrote it down because he was bearing witness. And why did he do that? He tells us. He does it because he wants us to believe in the Jesus Christ that he talked about. So this whole idea, again, of bearing witness is really critical. But now we're going to take a look at a passage where it's not just John that says bearing witness is critical. Jesus himself says, says this over and over again. Jesus is very explicit to say when he was here on earth, he wanted to make sure that people saw what he was doing, heard what he was doing, and that there were witnesses to it. And that those witnesses would collaborate, corroborate that, yes, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Ultimately, yes, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. Jesus did all these miracles. There were people who saw that. And Jesus wants to make sure, he says, I am the son of God. I want you to believe in me. And to believe in me, I want you to not base it on just blind faith. I want you to base that on really who I am, who I'm demonstrating who I am, who I say who I am, who others say, yes, we're bearing witness to who Jesus is. So I want to give you an example of how that works. We're going to take a look at one passage that Jesus talks about with this. And I want to give you context because he's speaking, as you'll see, he's speaking to the Jews, which I'll explain in a second. So in John 5, 18... This is what Jesus says. Well, this is what John says about the conversation we're going to see with Jesus in a minute. John says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Now, let me be very explicit. 
The Jews here mean Jewish leaders. We're not just talking about general Jews. We are talking about those like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They are the Jewish leaders who are trying to come up against Jesus saying, um, you're claiming to be the son of God. You're breaking these laws in the Old Testament. And they're, they're telling him that he's doing this. And they char- want to charge him with that. But it says that this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Making himself equal with God. Jesus Christ was claiming that I am equal with God. I am not just fully human, but I am fully God. And so Jesus is claiming this. And let's look at what Jesus says about that. Because now I want to take a look at one passage, somewhat long, where you hear Jesus doing this. And it's John 5, right after the the, um, verse that we just quoted. Let me go to it. Now, as I read this, this is John 5, verses 30 to 47. I want you to hear, you've been hearing me say, bear witness, bear witness, bear witness, okay? The truth, the truth. Believe. I want you to see how Jesus puts all these together in this passage here. So just listen to those words as I'm reading this. So Jesus says, starting in verse 30, he says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, who is John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in this light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish... The very works that I am doing bear witness about me, that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have heard, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in my own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek the glory that comes only from God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote to me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? 
So I want you to notice a couple things. Did you notice how many times you hear about bearing witness? But what is Jesus calling to make sure people are bearing witness to? Who's he calling? Who's, who's he saying these people bear witness to who? To me, to Jesus himself. Jesus is calling to the fact over and over again. He says, these people are bearing witness to myself. They're bearing witness to me. They're bearing witness to me. In addition to that, I want you to look at all the different types of witnesses you have here. You have God the Father, who's bearing witness to Jesus. You have Jesus himself. And just a note here, you notice that Jesus says, he says that, um, he says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus is calling back to Deuteronomy 19.17. This is an Old Testament law. This is something we still go by today, which is if you really want to know something is true, just don't go by one witness. You have to have at least two or three witnesses. So Jesus is saying, hey, it's not just me who he does say later that he's testifying about himself. And he's saying he can do that because he's God. But he's saying it's not just me. It's that all these other witnesses are testifying about me. And then I want you to notice that what, why are they, te- why is he saying they bear witness about me? Because again and again, Jesus says, it's so you will put your faith in me, so that you will believe in me. So he says, I say these things that you may be saved. Why is he telling us this? So people can be saved. He says, I say, um, he goes about and he says, uh, for you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You need to come to me if you want to have life. And then he goes and talks to them and he says, how can you believe, okay, if you're putting your glory in the wrong person? You would believe in me if you read these scriptures. How will you believe in my words? Jesus is very concerned that the people who he's talking to will believe in him. That's his whole point of why he's saying this, is he wants them to believe in him. So here we are. We have Jesus also, not just John, but we have Jesus saying, it's really important that people bear witness about me to tell you who I really am so that you will believe and that you will keep believing in him. How many witnesses do we have so far in this passage? Well, if you count them, we have five. All right. We have Jesus. We have the Father, we have John the Baptist, we have the works that Jesus does, testify about him like the miracles, and we have the scriptures. We have five different types and five different groups of, that are saying we're testifying about what Jesus said and did. But we're missing someone. We're missing someone in here that's bearing witness to what Jesus said. We're missing the author, <laughs> John himself, because John himself is also bearing witness by actually writing this down. So he's like the sixth witness here that we have. All right. So I want to give you an illustration about what's happening here, because you're going to see something shifts that's really important that actually speaks to us today about believing. So. Uh, no, I don't do rock climbing, but I'm going to use these as an illustration. So this, I want you to look at this carabiner, and this is going to represent Jesus. Okay? So this is Jesus. And Jesus 
says that who bears witness to him, one is his father. All right. So all every time it's connected, it's someone who's bearing witness and believes. The father is bearing witness to him. Okay. What also do we have? We have the works of Jesus. So I'm going to hook that into Jesus. We have the scriptures that testify about Jesus. We have John the Baptist that's testifying about Jesus. And we have John that is testifying about Jesus. See all those people who are testifying? One thing that's interesting here, note, is Jesus is alive at this point. He is telling everybody he, everybody can see him. They can see, they are testifying and they're seeing all these miracles and everything that he does. But what does Jesus say about the Father? He says you cannot see the Father. The Father is not visible. The only one you can see is Jesus. The Father is who Jesus is really coming out and saying, I am doing everything the Father tells me to do. The Father is bearing witness through, through me. But you don't see the Father. Jesus is saying the way you come to the Father is through Jesus. All right? Okay, everyone follow me so far? So this is the situation, but the problem is, this is the situation when Jesus was alive. So, if someone comes along and sees Jesus and sees all these miracles that happen, just any person, Jesus says, believe in me, and they can believe in Jesus because he's there. He's someone that they can see, that he, they can touch, that they can hear, that they can hear all these different miracles and everything that go on. Because they see that. But something has happened. Because, do any of you see Jesus today? I hope not. <laughs> okay. um, you might have visions and stuff, but actually Jesus is not here physically present with us today. So what is happening today that's different about then? And so I want you to look now at John 15, 27 through 16, 1. Because what is happening is something is going to start to change. Jesus is going to say, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going to the cross. I'm not going to be with you here anymore. So what does Jesus want to do? He says, and you, speaking to his disciples, he says, and you now will bear witness. He's talking about what's going to happen after he dies on the cross, is resurrected and ascended to the right hand of God. He says, and you also will bear witness. Because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus is saying, okay, all of you who've been with me, you now, when I'm gone, you are going to be the ones who bear witness to me. In fact, the whole reason why we have not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament, is because John, the Apostle Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter, all these other people who were the apostles, obeyed Jesus' command. (laughs) They wrote about him. They bore witness. And that's the reason why we have the New Testament today. So we can bear witness to all these things that Jesus said, did, and who he says that he is. But right after he tells them this, to go bear witness about him, he says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. 
Jesus was very concerned. This is in the upper room discourse. He is a day away from being crucified. He's very concerned for those that are his apostles, for all those who will believe in him after he goes to the cross and rises up to be at the right hand of God. He's concerned that they will fall away. He's concerned that they're not going to see him anymore. How are people going to believe in this Jesus? I remember, just a little side note, I remember that my first girlfriend, when I was 18 years old, I did not, I was not raised in a Christian environment at all. It was not even anti. It was just we didn't go to church. I didn't even know what a church was. And then my first girlfriend, when I was 18 years old, was, was a really strong believing Catholic in Christ. And I'll never forget her one time sitting down in her house. We were talking and she was telling me about Jesus. And I'm like, she's telling me about how she believes in this Jesus, and how he rose from the dead and how she worships him. I'm like, you're crazy. Who is this dead person you worship? I did not get it. All right. And she kept bearing witness, telling me about this. And I'm just like, okay, show me this Jesus. Where is he? I don't see him. All right. And in fact, it took another 10 years before I actually became a Christian. But so here you see Jesus is concerned that people are going to fall away if they don't see him anymore. And so the first solution in this is for them to write all these things about Jesus down. And so people can bear witness and hear about who this Jesus was. But even though those people have written it down, we still have an issue. Because this is, in essence, what has happened. Is So when we come to them writing it down, Jesus, all right, what ends up happening is we have all these different witnesses to Jesus. But Jesus is now not visible anymore. In fact, what's happened is all these different witnesses... And everything that was said is now really the Old and the New Testament. All right? So we now have the Old and New Testament that we read. But guess what? <laughs> That's all you have. Because you don't see Jesus. The, the, the Bible testifies to Jesus. It says that. Jesus says, these scriptures testify to me. And I testify to the Father. But we're... I'm just reading this stuff on a page. And a lot of people go, I'm just reading a page. I, I, I mean, I don't believe it. So some people have actually, within the Christian faith, all right, have actually been raised as Christian or even they become Christians. And a lot of times they think that all they really have about Jesus is Scripture alone and that they're to believe in Jesus because of only what the Bible says. Scripture alone. Would you guys agree with that? <laughs> I mean, how do we come to faith? We come to faith through this reading the word. But the word is just, I mean, it's, I've said black here. It's, it's black writing on a page. I still don't have the living Jesus. I, I don't see him. All I have is the word. And so we have a problem. <laughs> Because we're being asked to believe and continue to believe in someone that we we can't see anymore. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus says, because of this, I'm going to do something radical. 
I'm going to not just leave you and sit at the right hand of the Father, but I'm going to do something else. And this is the key to our belief and how we keep believing. Because what does Jesus say? And this is in the verse right before he tells his disciples to bear witness. What does he do? He says in John 15, 26. And notice we have six witnesses. This is now the seventh. Nice, complete, completeness. What is the seventh witness? It says in verse 15, 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. Amen. Amen. Because listen to what Jesus has said. When the helper, now that's the Greek word paraclete, it means helper, some versions say counselor, some say advocate, some say comforter, but we know who it is because Jesus tells us. He says, I am going to send to you from the Father the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm not here with you anymore. But there's going to be a way I can still be with you and you can be with me. Because this is what he says in John 14 about this Holy Spirit. He says in John 14, 16 through 18, he says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Wow, is that probably, (laughs) that is very comforting. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And how is Jesus going to come to us? He's going to now come to us through the Holy Spirit. So, we have Father. We have Jesus, the son. We have the scriptures. And we have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, with the scriptures, together, both of these now become the very presence and words of Jesus for us. I made this silver because what the Spirit does is the Spirit doesn't call attention to himself. The Spirit says, my focus is I've come from Jesus, and I've come from Jesus to be Jesus for you. To be the very presence of Jesus for you. The purpose of the Spirit is that we can have the personal presence of Christ today in us. Listen, it just said that. Jesus says, I'm doing this because the Spirit, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is to me the greatest promise, the greatest reality of our faith is that the very living Christ and the Father, through them, the Spirit then comes and says, I'm going to make yourself present. And guess what? It's not just, you know, think about this. If it was back in the time when Jesus came, and all that we had was Jesus physically walking around. How would, if I, I'm not Jesus, <laughs> but if Jesus came and was preaching a sermon to all of you today, he couldn't be down at the other churches preaching, could he? 
And he says, I'm going to go away. So now my presence, the reality of who I am, can come to each one of you, every one of you. And when you believe, you now have that very presence of God in you. This is the Holy Spirit living in you. So when you believe and you see the scriptures and read them and the spirit convicts you and you believe, you now don't just believe in it, but you also now have this personal relationship with Christ and the Father through the spirit. And it is both of these together that give us that relationship with Christ. One of the things that can often happen is people can focus on one or the other. They can say, well, I'm just going to focus on the spirit or I'm just going to focus on the word. It tells us in scripture, in fact, Jesus says in John 6:63, the words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. They're inseparable. Both have to exist for us to have that relationship with Christ. But here's my caution for us today, because it is the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we can think of the spirit in a lot of ways as to what it does and who he is. He's a real person. But we can also forget that the main purpose of the spirit is what I just showed you. The main purpose of the spirit is to be his presence, the living God in you and that you experience that. That you know this is Jesus who is real to me. What we can tend to do, and none of these are wrong, but what we can tend to do a couple things. One is we can sort of see the spirit. And we can some, I hear us, including myself, we talk about the spirit sometimes as sort of this vague power that we sort of plug into. <laughs> and the spirit's going to give us this power to be able to do all these different things in our life. Well, there is, without a doubt, the spirit is a power. But that sort of makes that spirit impersonal. We can also overemphasize the signs of the spiritual gifts. So part of what the spirit does is is give us different gifts. We can sometimes overemphasize the the show of those gifts, I should say, um, and the, the visible manifestations of those gifts. And again, forget that the most important thing is that Christ lives in me today. And I think the other caution I have is that we can look inward a lot of times, seeking some type of a mystical or emotional experience of the Spirit. And again, miss that the real purpose of the Spirit is to focus on Christ himself. So as a way to really summarize this, of what Jesus is telling us all in chapters 14 through 16, I invite you to go home and read these. I want to just do this quote from a guy named James Montgomery Boyce, because I think he really captures what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is for us. And this is what he says. He says, the spirit will not testify regarding himself. He has the task of progressively unfolding the significance of Christ's life, death and resurrection to the disciples and to the generation of believers which are to follow them. With the possible exception of Christ's own testimony, which he gives to the father, All testimony, all bearing witness to the gospel points exclusively to Jesus, to him. In all these texts, the teaching is that not only our rebirth, but our entire growth in spiritual wisdom, 
and in the knowledge of God through Scripture is the result of the working of the divine spirit upon our life and mind, and that no such understanding is possible apart from the Spirit's life-giving activity. The witness of the Holy Spirit is therefore the subjective counterpart in revelation of the objective historical revelation that we have in the Word manifested in Christ and recorded in the written Word. So the main thing to get across here is there is the function, the main function of the Spirit is to bear witness, to bear witness for pointing to Christ that it is Christ who lives in us. It is Jesus that we have this personal relationship to. And I just wrote some things down. I'm going to go through this really quick and then we'll close. To give you an example, what keeps us believing with the Spirit is because the Spirit is making Christ real to us. And here's, and you guys can add to this. This is something you can add to your list. But here I just wrote some things down sort of off the top of my head. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ that makes Jesus real to me and to each one of you. By bearing witness to Jesus, the Spirit convinces us, convicts us, and consoles us that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, really did die on the cross for us, really has forgiven our sins, really is sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us, really does love us, really has made us children of God, really is personally present to us really wants us to know and understand him, really wants us to love others as he has loved us, and he really wants us to also bear witness about him to others. And he wants us to keep believing in him. This is the God who lives in us today. This is the Christ who lives in us. And so to close, I'm going to just give you one thing to be thinking about. If you don't experience or you haven't thought about this with the Holy Spirit before, one of the ways of starting to experience that is for you yourself to bear witness about Christ. It's sort of this irony a little bit that if you're not feeling that sense of that love from Christ, feeling the sense of that spirit, is to go and tell others about Jesus. Because when you do that, you actually will see that the Spirit will start bearing witness in you that, yes, Jesus is real to you. So I gave this assignment to the guys a year ago as we started John, which is start being conscious about how you talk. And I'm not talking about having to go and explicitly proclaim Jesus to someone. Hey, believe in Jesus. Yes, if you have the opportunity, do that. Amen. But I'm just simply talking about talking and speaking Jesus to others. We so often just go around and say, God, I believe in God, I believe in God. Fine. But God can be this generic term to people. Start replacing when you say the word God and start saying Jesus. Start saying Christ. And just try that. We've had a lot of Ken is a good example who's up here playing today. He was doing that as we started this in the men's group. And wow. The way in which God moved in that, and I think has built Ken's faith too, through proclaiming Jesus and just saying his name to people. And we've had other different stories of that. So I would just invite you to do that today, is to bear witness to this Jesus who is real in you, so he can be real to others. So I ask you to stand.
I want to end with a quote from Augustine about this. This summarizes what we've been talking about. He wrote this in 490 AD. He said, For such is Jesus' meaning when he says, The Holy Spirit shall bear witness about me, of me. You and you also shall bear witness. That is to say, because the Spirit shall bear witness, you also shall, shall bear witness. How? The Spirit is now living in your hearts. You now speak that in your voice. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for just being here with us today. I thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for us. And Lord, anybody here who does not know this Jesus, I pray that today will be the day that they'll place their faith in him. And for all those, Lord, we pray, whether they're here in church or family or friends who are struggling with faith in Christ, that they can do the spirit, know that Jesus is real to them. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I just want as a benediction, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.